Hey, everybody. Welcome. Episode number 34. Today, we sat down with Nathan Bailey. And if that name sounds familiar, it should, because Nate helped us start the company. Uh, Nate is an IT wizard. He is, quite honestly, his skill set, uh, he, he kind of did everything he could uh, for this little company. And uh, we still count on Nate, and we lean on Nate anytime we need any anything that is remotely that remotely revolves around a computer. So software, hardware, apps, processes, we always ask Nate and he always helps us out, which is fantastic. So uh, we wanted, it's been a while. We haven't, we haven't seen Nate a whole bunch. Uh, he had a child and <laughs> it's a fun conversation. So uh, we catch up with Nate and we discuss what it's like to live in the West and actually go East to go hunting. There's a lot of conversations and a lot of podcasts out there on what to do if you're an East Coast guy and you want to go to the West to go elk hunting. Well, we wanted to talk to Nate because he's done it a lot. He's got family on the East Coast and he goes back there almost every year. What it's like to be a West Coast guy going back to the East Coast to hunt whitetail, how to fly, how to travel with your with your gear, what to bring, what to practice, You know how different it is hunting whitetails out of a tree stand than spot and stalk. Uh, elk hunting or mule deer hunting. So uh, it's a really fun conversation. We jab each other a lot, a lot of uh, a lot of heckling going on. So sit back and enjoy. We really appreciate uh, all your support. This episode is brought to you by Blacktail Apparel. Uh, head over to prayingman.com, P-R-E-Y-I-N-G-M-A-N.com, and you will find the, well, I'm just going to say it right now, you'll find the largest selection of Blacktail casual blacktail apparel out there we have all kinds of really really cool graphics and uh different different apparel that you can take a look at there it's high quality stuff premium gear directly to you so check it out it's prayingman.com blacktail apparel you'll find it all there thanks a lot everybody and enjoy Good to see Nate Bailey. Nathan Aloysius Bailey Jr. The third is with us. Podcast number 34-ish, 35-ish. It's been a while since you've been on, buddy. Mm-hmm. It's it good is, to see uh, you guys. So end, 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 of, uh, end of December, just after Christmas. So we're between Christmas and New Year's here. And mm-hmm. uh, we all had a little bit of time. So thought we'd sit down. Haven't seen you for a while. What have you been up to? Working. Traveling. Yes. Yeah, a little of both. Mm-hmm. Probably since we've done the last podcast, I don't think you had uh, offspring back then. Oh, yeah, that too. That too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You've been dipping your wick. <laughs> yep. Could you be uh, produce more specific? A spawn. I produced. If you if you could put a, even a finer point on it, <laughs> just uh, dipping your wick. Who's the girl? Who's the girl? <laughs> you might remember Lori. Uh. Uh, sorry, Lori. I love you. <laughs> yeah. She's driven us home from a lot of establishments over the years. Uh, oh, okay. So this kind of was a, this wasn't a planned topic, but, um, unlike Mason unplanned, that was quite a journey. That's quite a journey. We should get, we should record. We should at least have some, uh, audio history of what, ha- how, how Mason came to be. 
I have a pretty good idea. Of no, I know. Well, Again, dimming I'm, your wick. I, think <laughs> I mean, I might have a textbook at home. I can let you read <laughs> See, and, and Jake brush when up. When a, when a boy. Let's <laughs> call it a man. When two people love each other, yeah. Jake. But no, you guys were you guys were trying for a long time, right? We were not not trying. Right. Yes. But had had you written we, it off? Yeah, we had definitely had. Yeah. Yep. We had a pretty a, several years of unsuccessful run at uh, fertility treatments that didn't pan out. It was just too hard to deal with the rejection, yeah. particularly on Lori's end, sure. where we just decided not to pursue it further. Go the uh, the full on scientific route with the turkey baster and the like. <laughs> so what you're and, so uh, without going into too much detail, was it? The wick, <laughs> or was it the dip? <laughs> it was a little of both. How about that? All right. Okay, yeah. understood. Understood. So yep. you want a dip and a wick mm-hmm. get together? <laughs> All right. Okay, but <laughs> what I was. Uh, <laughs> It was a long journey. Yeah. We, and then out of the blue, right? This this was... Yeah, we was, were like six or seven years removed, at least, from the last... <clears throat> major effort. Uh, up. Yeah. Yep. And then and it was then, uh, uh, it was April Fool's Day, April 1st, mm-hmm. last year. Yep. You said, oh, yeah, by the way. Yep. Might not want to throw out all those baby toys. Mm-hmm. I slid it in there nice and subtle-like. <laughs> yeah, no. And that's how we're able to laugh about this today. Nate's yes. brother, Lord's sister. And, and mm-hmm. yeah, we have a, this awesome blessing, which is your son now in this world. Oh, so, Mason, he's uh, yep. five quarters of age right now. Okay. Year and three months. Five quarters. <laughs> yep. He was a very, very nice surprise. Three dollar store pregnancy test later, we still didn't believe it until <laughs> the doctor confirmed. Yeah, oh man, no, that's great. Yep, it's been fun. He could have held out for another month though, so he could have got September back. Yeah, I mean, obviously, <laughs> I mean, if we're gonna pick nits, a September baby for a elk hunter is pretty obvious. It was not not a planned event. <laughs> uh it's totally worth it. He's he's awesome. Yep. All right, wouldn't change it for the world. Now, even though you've been. Um, Busy with the little man, you've still found plenty of times to, to to get out. Did quite a bit of fishing mm-hmm. this year, right? I did fish hard. Yes, That's easy did. to get out for a couple hours at a time here or there. And you took him with you, right? Mm-hmm. He's been in the boat a few times. Against his will. And he did pretty good, actually. <laughs> we got a high-sided drift boat, so as long as we set him down and keep him out of the wind, he's happy. Yeah. Good deal. Good deal. The The, the rocking motion... Usually calmed him right down. But, does, mm-hmm. it, does that one have the shelf up underneath the bow? Like yep. below the bow, there's another like gear shelf? Yeah. So it was a it's big enough area up there. We actually left him in the car seat one the first time or maybe the first two times we did. Yep. I see a lot nice. of people on Instagram that take their kids out hunting and, and stuff when they're very, very, very young. Put them in the yeah. backpack. That's pretty cool. I do got a, a backpack toter, kid toter, so we'll be trying that out this summer. Maybe some shed hunting. You can take them, mm-hmm. take them along for that. 
Yeah. Just bail on that if you need to. <laughs> that once, sounds like fun. Once you got your fill of poison oak. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Ooh. Oh, yeah. yeah. Springtime. Mm. Nothing better. Oh, man. <laughs> we, I think last time we tried that around here, we both got it pretty bad, didn't we? Yeah. I don't know if that's something I'd take a kid at one, but it's pretty pretty unavoidable on the west side <laughs> blackberry briars and you all right back there mace yep <laughs> oh yeah get home. get him home why is he bleeding what happened <laughs> all right so you also went now you've done this for a few years right you've went back you have family most of your family's back east east coast yep yeah most of the extended families in upstate new york and in northeast pennsylvania okay mm-hmm that's so, where that that's where you guys grew up, or at least your your folks. Yeah, that's where my folks are from. Yeah, we moved out to Oregon when I was ten or nine, somewhere around there. So, did you go back and forth a few times? No, actually, I it was seventeen that years was just after back and forth to get the 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 race car. Oh, <laughs> well, that was a separate move. After we moved to Oregon, my parents moved back for a few years, and then moved back to Oregon again. Ah, uh, yeah. And I think it was it was at least three trips with the truck and trailer, and <laughs> three or four tire blowouts on said trips. Yep. Dad still got the old Dodge though, and Thre- the race car. Threatening to fix it back up. Did you in the race car too? Yeah. <laughs> you know you're gonna own that thing one day. Probably. Is that a yep. four door Dodge? Yeah, quad cab, hmm. long box, V10. It's a V10 though. What year? 96 ish older body style though right mm-hmm. with, yeah. the, with the round w front. 200 uh four-wheel drive or not yeah four-wheel drive oh single rail wheels are turning don't away. ever let him get rid of that <laughs> seriously plant that seed now it's not an option yeah you you are gonna want that someday for multiple reasons but uh big collector value on that as okay. well okay well, your pop still has one, doesn't he? His <clears throat> yeah, he's, his though, is a '98, right? so yeah. it's it doesn't. They didn't make a quad cab. Hmm. They had an extended cab, but it was still a two door. I'm trying to think. Diesel, diesel 2500 turbo Cummins. It's been so long since I've seen that truck because it's been out in the storage lot, pretty much since they moved back. Yeah, I can't swear that it's a four door. Those old trucks are cool. Doesn't matter. Treated him well. Well, we'll keep the listeners on the edge of their seat. Is it or is it not a four door? <laughs> uh, look for us to post about that. I'm mm-hmm. sure in the near future. So, what I was getting at is that you still go out see your 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 family. Yes, right. Go back east. Yep. We, Move on. Yeah, we go back in November. Make it a dual threat trip, family visit, and then uh, partake in the first week or so of archery season back there. Okay, in Pennsylvania. It's fun. When does the archery season start? First week in November? Well, it's like the the third around the third week of October. Mm. <clears throat> but it's just right when the ruts start kicking in. So. Okay. Okay. It's uh the first ruddy week of both season. Let's put it that way. Never done that. I mean I'd like to like go back and uh you know, go back east and spend some time doing that. I've never I wouldn't even know what to take. <laughs> <laughs> What do you take? Nate? Insulated boots yeah. for one thing. Learned that lesson pretty quick. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Feet get cold just sitting in the tree. It does when it's ten degrees. It does. <laughs> well, that's 
Yeah. So that was one of the things I wanted to ask you about because we get, you know, we, it, there's plenty of information out there about if guys want to go on an elk hunt or go to Alaska or something like that. And not as much information for, I think guys that live on the West coast, going back to whitetail hunt, whether mm-hmm. you're going to the Midwest or the East coast. And I was thinking that there was, there's probably a lot of things. I mean, I know since I lived back there and then moved out here and, and then went back to hunt, there was things I kind of took for granted, just mm-hmm. like all the things that I kind of learned out here sure. on the fly. But like what, to, you know, so if you're going to go back that way and you're going to travel regardless of where, which direction you're going, but did you, you ever take a rifle back there or a gun? Or not? I haven't. It's, no, it's always just my archery. Bow. Yeah, and there's there's plenty of long guns already there mm-hmm. to use. So, but predominantly just my uncle, two uncles, and one cousin that bow hunt. So that's the other nice thing about a lot of family running around the woods come gun season. Yeah, but there's only a handful of us that bow hunt. So works out good. So what what would you say if you were if you're telling somebody that's going back east? You know, as far as air travel, have you ever run into any issues? As far as yeah, expect your bow case to get opened up and expected inspected <laughs> every time. Yeah. So the way I do it, I've got a case that's just big enough essentially to put my bow in and then pack all my camo and all my sharp implements and a few other things in and around it. But you you can't get too Jenga master with it because TSA is going to yard it all out of there, and it's a crapshoot whether or not they're going to get it all back in to fit. So You're spe- you speak like maybe you've lost some things. <laughs> yeah yeah i've lost lost one knife uh i think a rangefinder came up missing i can't uh can't guarantee that was tsa and not me leaving it under the tree stand but <laughs> fair fair <laughs> fair <laughs> but yeah it's normally just that things are packed in and then they, they like throw you throw your sight back in on top of the riser and then slam the door shut so then you open it back up and you got a nice little gouge in the side of your riser things like that so if you're, uh, so I've never traveled back there and, you know, spent that kind of time. Do you have a list that you go down and follow like a Excel list or anything like, okay, I need this, 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 and this, or do you just are so organized that you know what you need when you go? It's pretty, pretty streamlined now. Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff I've left there mm-hmm. just cause other people can use it. Cause so many family members hunt oh, yeah, through, nice. you know, that's one thing about most of the East coast states is that you can hunt through multiple weapon seasons with the same, same tag. Mm-hmm. And Pennsylvania is like that where you, you basically buy your hunting license. It comes with a deer tag, a buck tag, and then you, you pay for your archery stamp or your muzzleloader stamp to, uh, to be able to hunt in those, those seasons. So if you don't fill a tag in one weapon season, as long as you have that, that endorsement for the subsequent seasons and a weapon to take with you, you're still hunting what so what your first hunting experience out here out west Mm -hmm. in uh, Oregon that had you I'm trying to think back when when you and I first started hunting together but had you done any tree stand hunting before that nope yeah I'd I tagged along with my dad a few times like squirrel and rabbit hunting back east Mm -hmm. but never did any big game hunting before we moved out and then my dad, for whatever reason, just didn't have any interest to continue hunting and try to figure it out. And when we got to Oregon, so 
I, I gun hunted a little bit in high school with some, some high school buddies, but it was mostly truck hunting, just driving around till you see one and everybody pull yards out and whoever pulls up first pulls the trigger. More often than not, multiple people pulling the trigger and then <laughs> fighting over who actually shot it after the fact. So needless to say, I got uh, lost lost the luster pretty quick with yeah. that type of hunting. I was going to say that sounds that sounds that sounds kind of rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then I went to college and I probably didn't do any hunting at all for the next five five years. And then went to work for a bow company, archery manufacturer, and that about faced after that then it was all bow for the most part yeah so what did you learn about spot and stalk hunting i assume that was kind of the for your first foray into archery then mm-hmm. yeah then for the first couple of years basically archery hunted just like i remembered gun hunting in high school mm-hmm. just drive around till you see one and try to try to get past them without running <laughs> them off and then park somewhere down the road and walk back up and hope they're still there which is a great it's, 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 it's very it's effective. Great, great tactic. Sometimes yeah. that will work. Yeah. <laughs> More often than not, it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, it wasn't, uh, I, I'm still not a great deer hunter as you guys are well aware, but <laughs> I give it, I give it a, a go. <laughs> still have fun with it. You've made, you've made tremendous strides. Mm-hmm. I would say so. Definitely. Yeah. So he, when did, I know even before you started, I mean, you, you had started talking to your folks about going back there, going, mm-hmm. going to hunt East and you hunted, you hunted, you tree stand hunted a little bit out here, right? A little bit. Yeah. You, you introduced me to that. I did. Did poorly. not enjoy it very well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> having, having your buddy who's a huge Spider-Man fan and <sighs> built a much like him hang the stand for you and then send you 30 feet up with no harness and steps about six feet apart. I, I vaguely remember coming to pick you back up after the morning sit and it was raining and it was kind of crappy. I pulled out there and Nate's sitting at the bottom of the tree. I just kind of assumed he had gotten down already, yeah. but come to find out he didn't, he's never really went up. So. Made it about halfway. <laughs> or going halfway up and then. Well, the ice had already melted off all of the, all of the tree steps by the time you got back to you. Yeah. That was, that was, that was sketchy. Yeah. Where was that? Was it? That was up. Oh, was that Central Oregon? No, no, that no. was uh, late season deer hunting. That was up uh, like up towards Mohawk. Mohawk mm-hmm. up that way. What's what's that piece that Jamie always hunts? Big warehouser chunk. Oh, I don't know if we want to name any names, but I know what you're talking. That's all walk in now. So yeah, oh, or, or really? permit. Yeah, it's it's yeah. like a pay to play area. Oh. Yeah, I these know days. I know where you're at. Yeah, yeah, but that that uh, so you've 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 come again. You've come a long way. Uh, you're right. <laughs> I probably didn't. I still have a problem with that. Like when I put stands up, I never, I'm never thinking about anybody but me. So mm-hmm. when I put them up, I put them up the way I put them up. And well, yeah, we're, so it's I'll probably use less steps that way. <laughs> well, it goes faster if you screw in it's fewer steps. It's, it's, uh, <sighs> it's dangerous how far apart they are. Mm-hmm. First of all, no one should be using tree steps anymore. I, I think there's a lot of other great products yeah. out there that <laughs> probably does not require you to, Spike a tree. Yeah, oh, I have climbing I sticks hope, now. Uh, I hope that's what you were using. Of course, uh, of course. That's what it, I think. That's what you guys were using. Well, here for sure. Yeah, screwing steps uh, frowned upon on most public property. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. So, but unless I, these are the kind of screwing steps that only go a little ways in, <laughs> then you're probably <laughs> be fine. 
so they have like a short wick. <laughs> a short wick. Short wick technology. Yeah. Yep. These are uh, public land legal. Yeah. No. Did you? So, if I guess what I'm, what I'd like to know is if you're gonna tell somebody, give them advice on going back to do some tree stand hunting, and they maybe they've grown up in in the West and have only been spot and stalk hunting and hunting from the ground um, exclusively. What you know? What what do they need to know to go back east and and hunt out of a stand? Mm-hmm. Well, I could start with gear first and foremost. Gear. So, I mean, obviously I was expecting it to be cold back there compared to here in Western Oregon. You know, you might have a few days during the fall that dip below 40, but right. that's pushing <clears throat> And very rarely does it even approach freezing temperatures. But a lot of years I've hunted back there, it's been in the teens in the morning. So I would say, I mean, you, if you're a spot and stock hunter, certainly in Western Oregon, you're probably going to need to buy some new gear. Cause you probably don't have a pair of boots that are warm enough to cut the mustard when it's that cold and you're just sitting still. Mm-hmm. So generally think about taking as warm of, you know, layering system as you can, as you think you can stand and then add an additional layer <laughs> and then you should be okay. <laughs> now bear in mind, I'm hunting on family land. And so the walk to the tree stand is very minimal. So, I mean, you don't have to worry too much about dropping layers when you're walking in and putting them on at the tree and all that kind of stuff. Um, so if you're hunting public land and you're a little more worried about scent instead of hunting around resident, you know, there's, there's residences in the area, deer kind of used to human scent. You don't have to worry about scent control as much. But generally, you take more warmer clothing than you think you need. Yeah. Or plan on buying a few layers when you get there. Right. Um, and then I, I struggled with, with boots a lot because I, I have a hard time finding boots that fit well anyway. Because of your tiny feet? Pretty much. And wide. <laughs> I was yeah. going to say because of the giant calves. Oh. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's the latter. The two yeah. really work against each other. That two. <laughs> <laughs> Is that man's calves that big or his feet that small? Mm-hmm. Or both? <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, you just plan on having to have a lot of layers, yeah. certainly to start on a morning set. And then with that, too, make sure you practice when you got all that crap on. Because when you're shooting all summer long here, and even spot and stock all the way up through, you know, September, October, you're only rolling with one layer a lot of times because you're moving. So you're you're basically practicing all summer in a T-shirt, and then you put five layers of warm stuff on. And probably have gloves on as well. That's a whole different, whole different ball game when you go to shoot. Indeed. So that was one. That was the bigger mistakes I made early on, not having warm enough clothes and just getting down after an hour and a half every morning because I was <laughs> freezing my ass off. <laughs> and two, when I finally got enough clothes that where I felt comfortable making a three, four, five hour sit in the morning. When a deer finally walks out three and a half hours in, I'm still cold enough and just it's tough to make a good shot when you're in a stand for one and elevated when you're used to hunting on the ground. And put having adrenal- all you put some adrenaline into that scenario too and yep. then you really start shaking. Yeah, and that's another thing I didn't expect either. You know, here in western Oregon where we're at, everything's so thick, even through the winter and fall months. Leaves don't drop here, at least not enough to make a difference. But by the time you're hunting 
you know, mid, mid November back East, all the hardwood leaves are gone and you can see forever. So, and you can hear well too, if there's not a heavy dusting of snow, you know, those leaves make a bunch of noise when a critter is ex- approaching. So normally your blood's up substantially by the time a deer ever presents a shot because you've heard them coming and seen them coming for a long ways before they get into a lane. So, and if you're cold on top of that, because you didn't have a, a good layering system, virtually impossible to make a good shot. Which you've proven. So yes, uh, continue to prove. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of boots did you have this year over there? Real quick. I took some like, like, uh, snowshoeing boots with the snowshoes or minus <laughs> no just like 800 8 to 1200 oh gotcha uh mill of insulation gotcha i did which are horrible to walk around in so if you're having to <laughs> hike into a you know public land spot yeah you know those those boots i don't know what you would do in that situation i haven't had yeah. to worry about that but i don't know if you can would i know s- they make some like insulated booties that you can put on your boots once you get in the stand mm-hmm. and like add another layer outside the boots <laughs> i've never messed I've with seen, those, i've seen but. those too yeah if i if i had to walk a, a significant way i don't think you want those on i think you put those on when you get to the right, stand, right? yes yeah. but yeah. you would you wouldn't want as heavy an insulated boot when you're doing that walk otherwise your feet are going to be sweaty by the time you get there at least my feet yeah. i am a I'm, I'm a profuse sweater as you as you guys know yeah. <laughs> i'm sitting i'm sitting here thinking about thinking back to when I was eight, nine, ten years old, eight, eleven, right before I'd go hunting, 12. but I would still twelve, even thirteen, 13. fourteen, <laughs> fifteen was an age I remember <laughs> very fondly. Uh, okay, but so we had we lived in central Wisconsin, and and my dad and a, and a buddy had bought a cabin in northern Wisconsin, and we'd go up there to hunt. And uh, you know, gun season was always such a big thing. You'd go up there it was nine days long. You know, we, we would maybe be up there for five or six, but you know, to your point, Nate, it would get, you'd have such a variance in weather from one gun season to the next. Some, you know, late November's it's relatively warm and, and, uh, so you dress appropriately, but then, you know, you can be in a foot of snow and, you know, sub, sub, freezing temperatures all day. I just remember getting up and you, the, the, the levels, the ups and downs of temperature you'd go through before you even got to the stand, you'd wake up in a hot cabin. So, you know, you'd like look outside, shine the light out there on the thermometer to see how cold it was out there. This was, you know, 1993. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like it's, you know, Oh no, it's hovering right around zero. I think right now that's not, you know, so you, you start dressing and you get like, well, I don't want to put too many clothes on. Cause like, cause you have to sit in the, tr- you know, you have to get in the truck and go somewhere, which is usually right. was like a 30 minute drive. Yep. And you, you know, you gear up and kind of half gear up and then you get in the truck and turn the heater on and it'd be hot. And then you get out and you're like, well, now I got to walk to my stand, which is, you know, in our case we were on public land. So it was, it was a pretty good walk. Mm-hmm. So you'd, Walk, try to walk slowly, have everything unzipped. And of course I'm, you know, I have no good gear at this point. Cause I got all hand-me-down stuff. So. Camo cotton shirt. Camo cotton shirt. <laughs> Layering with MC hammer pants. Yes. <laughs> a lot of and bat, a, lot of, a lot of Batman sweatpants and, uh, yeah. your crisscross hoodie. <laughs> uh-huh. I did have sorrels, 
But yeah, then you get there and you'd be sweating. So I'd be up in the stand, you know, before dark. And I'm not even hunting most of this time. I'm just out there because I just, you know, want to be with my dad and stuff. And mm-hmm. just, just sweating, watching it snow around you because you know it's so cold. And then slowly, one by one, you'd start <laughs> zipping yeah, stuff yeah. up. And within <laughs> about 45 minutes, you were yeah. so cold. <laughs> Yeah, well, you, in the wind well, I only cold. have nine more hours to go. So right, that's good. So that would be the like. Okay, I was just as you guys are talking. That's probably. I wonder what percentage of guys are coming from the west, heading back east. That maybe this is their first or second time going back there, and they look at the forecast and they're like, "Okay, I should be probably good with what I got." And then they get over there, and they end up either short sits because they freeze or they're going to go fork some money out on some, some warm boots. I bet you that happens a lot. Yeah. It's just such a difference in, it's not so much the temperature, which obviously that does play a huge part of it, but it's really just sitting there. Right. And not moving. Your blood's not flowing. I mean, it could be 30 mm -hmm. degrees, 35, 40 degrees. And if you sit there long enough and don't move, you get, you start getting cold. Right. You just do. Well, I mean, Think about 65 during the summertime when you're walking around in a t-shirt, you're plenty comfortable, but you go park it in, in a, under a shade tree for an hour and a half and just sit there with a t-shirt and 60 degree weather, you're, you're eventually going to get cold. Yeah. So that, I think if you're just not used to sitting for that, I mean, I remember, cause John, you didn't do a lot of tree stand hunting. I did. I Bef- did. Before I met you? Yep. Really? Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, it, not not very few people did it. But you did. I did. Oh, I did. I'm basing this on the way he put up a tree stand when yeah. I asked him to. Put it. <laughs> I did. I, uh, it's pretty. It, when it looked like he had, you could describe me. No as idea. Avid. Avid. <laughs> I'm an avid tree stand setter and hanger and hunter. You know, in the world we are today, and where you, you know, I think everybody is get hurt feelings and that sort of thing, and everybody's accusing other people of abuse. I would say if. What I witnessed with John in the tree happened today. I think the tree would have a pretty strong case about some sort of workplace <laughs> violation, <laughs> sexual. <laughs> so I, let me see here. He's a strong I, uh, ogre. First tree stand I ever sat in was sophomore year in high school. And it was, uh, it freaked me out. Because I'd never been up in the air hunting like that. And I was like, dude, this is weird. <laughs> of course, no harness, super safe. Yep. And uh, yeah, so uh, after, I mean, after that, it was not a reoccurring thing. Yeah. I don't think I sat in another did, stand for Who had put it up for years. What stand was it? <laughs> My Some, dad. You, he did put it <laughs> yeah. up. All yeah. right. Yeah. Did you get any 30, 40 mile an hour wind gusts that day? No. Felt, it was felt like the tree swayed six feet. It was in a gigantic Douglas fir and... Probably, I don't know. I say gigantic. It was second growth, but it was logged. The first time it was logged a long time ago. It was probably five, six foot at the base. It was. It had been there a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, the chain, it was like an old hang on. The chain barely wrapped around <laughs> It was like on the last <laughs> link. And I remember looking at this like, what the, uh, is this safe? He drove like a 16 penny nail between, between the, the two, two chains. <laughs> and I'm just like, Oh, this is uh okay. Okay. <laughs> and it was on a really steep hillside and it was probably up about 15 feet, but I could literally, <clears throat> it was during, uh, I had a gun. It was uh, one of the first rifle seasons I hunted 
it was like 10 feet out. I was facing the hill, and it was yeah. literally the trail that he had set up on. <laughs> oh, son, this is this is the one the deer are using. Mm-hmm. This is where I've seen him. <laughs> right above it, like it went right by the tree, yeah. and it was from here to the wall almost. Yeah, It was comical. <laughs> Reach out and touch him. It was, and then if you so look steep. the other direction, oh, you're the back 50 side, feet it was up. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I remember sitting there just hoping that these deer did not see the uh, 20-foot extension ladder <laughs> that Dad had going up the tree. <laughs> Bright yellow. Nice. Yeah, it, was, it was comical. <laughs> Anyhow, that was my first tree stand sit. So, uh, no, in all seriousness, not a lot of tree stand hunting. <laughs> but always trying to get better. Yeah. yeah, I was trying to get better. No, I it's it's a it's a real it's something you need to consider if you're gonna go back and you're gonna do any type of whitetail hunting that you need to sit there and you need to sit still, and that's really hard to do. Mm-hmm. Really, really hard to do. I mean, I did it before when I didn't have a phone to look at all. Day. Yeah, that was tough. I don't know how you. I don't know. But you just have to go up and sit on a stump for a couple hours out in the woods and just. Well, the thing is, I think if you are are you if you're seriously considering going from west to east and you're going to go tree stand hunting and if you've never done it before you owe it to yourself to actually go shoot your bow out of a tree stand because yep it's one thing to actually be comfortable up there sitting but then when it comes to taking a shot especially if you have to stand up and do it it's something that you should practice i mean i remember my dad making me do it when i was a kid and you know even odessa my wife when she went and sat we got up in a tree stand in the yard and, you know, just put it eight feet up and really getting used to shooting out of something like that is it's a, it's a whole different situation because you find yourself concentrating on the wrong things. Sure. Mainly not falling out. Yep. Well, and, and you, you've got to adjust for the angle too. I mean, at 40 yard shot, you could be talking three to four yard difference as far as where you want to hold your pin. Yep. And to your point, you know, do that, do that and get comfortable, but then also do that with a couple of jackets on, a safety. Um, you know, if you're putting up your own tree stand, make sure that all the limbs are taken out so you can swing your bow around and not hit a limb. Yep. All those things are considered, which generally you don't have to when you're out here hunting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something else I am seriously contemplating, which I don't. <laughs> It's like there's always more gear to buy, but uh, really, within the last, well, eight months, I would say, really contemplating, especially after our blacktail season, is getting like tree stand specific clothing that's quieter. Mm-hmm. Because there's a few times this year where it was just dead quiet, and those deer were on high alert, and I yep. like trying to like just practice moving around in my stand, seeing what you can get away with. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> my stuff's too loud. Yeah. So if I, I was found- going back East, I like, you know, you're putting in all these, this time and effort and money. I would invest in getting, you know, something that was a heavy nap fleece, mm-hmm. something that was quiet. Yeah. Cause, Cause all the like, stuff I have right now, is weatherproof not, stuff. Not good it's almost like Velcro to the tree bark. And a lot of times in the hardwoods, you know, you're, you're looking for, abrasive bark trees you generally don't want to hang stands on smooth bark right what's the worst tree to to hang on back east popple is there anything Mm. with thorns well i guess it probably varies what state you're in yeah so in wisconsin it's popple yeah in pa new york that or 
Birch, maybe. Birch, yeah, Birches. Mm. Yeah, or or Ash. Just they're loud. Or Ash trees now because they're all dying. Slick. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely don't want to do a climber stand on on any of those. (laughs) So many good stories. I I did try that one year. Borrowed my uncle's climber stand. Oh, really? That was pretty. Oh, I'd love to know how that went. Did (laughs) it have a seat with it too? I think I could have hung a hang on stand faster than (laughs) than it took me to shimmy up twenty feet. (laughs) Yeah, it was going up. wasn't Mm. as bad. Did it have a? Did it have the? seat with it where you could pull yourself up or, yep. or okay yeah and then it had the gun rest so you could kind of lean mm-hmm. into it and, oh man that was, and that's... it had the, the foot straps on the bottom so it was my... pretty pretty nice yeah but back in the day like my dad and them they so my my grandpa worked for uh a, a man a manufacturer of fire trucks so he was a welder so they did like they made a lot of their own stands but they had like made climbers i think before even climbers were a thing so it was all angle iron, but it, none of them ever had, like, they just didn't have the fortuitiveness to, like, make a seat for it. So they had to bear hug all those. Mm. All bear the trees? Hug at the tree. And then those guys, I have animals laughed so hard listening to those guys <laughs> tell stories because they all kind of hunted on this same, like, 160 oh acres, gosh. the local, you know, archery club land. Yeah. And they could always hear guys trying to get up in their stands because it was so loud. <laughs> Across the way. And then they just... Grunting and cursing. <laughs> grunting and cursing and sliding back down the tree. Oh, man. And then they'd, you know, they tell stories about getting down at 10 and walking by, you know, Jim, and he was only, like, seven feet up in the air. <laughs> <laughs> after all that. That's funny. <laughs> Okay, so I need boots. I need uh, need to practice shooting out of a tree stand. I potentially need some quieter clothes. What else do I need? What else do I need? Patience to be Check. able to sit still for hours on end. Boots. Well, it's I mean, something that's assuming, that's I struggle. You're going to go tree stand hunt. Does nobody still yeah. hunt back there? Nobody get on the ground after the snow starts flying. There might be some of that. I remember one deer that my dad shot off the ground and I remember how it was a small buck and I, but I remember how proud he was, you know, and I was, I was older, but I just, I still remember he was kind of packed up and headed home for the weekend from the cabin up North and, you know, was had saw a buck on the way out and parked the truck and got out and like kind of made a stock on him. But it had to be, you know, like to Nate's point earlier, how crunchy, the leaves are back there. If you're in any type of hardwood situation, which pretty much is everywhere, you can't, you just can't, you can't sneak up on anything, not even close. So, so arch, so I'm, I'm talking about archery yes. season, obviously, cause mm-hmm. you know, Wisconsin, the, there's plenty army, of, everybody gets on the ground. And right. Yeah. During, during rifle season, stuff, but, it happens. Yeah. So in hardwood setups, it's just, it's like very small chance of being successful. Unless you had if a lot of rain, if you had a lot of rain, wind, you know, to the point where it, rehydrated all of those leaves and they weren't so crunchy you could do it or but a lot of wind cover i would imagine yeah but again have you, you did you those, ever try it no not really never did i made one stock in bow range while i was there and it, it just got i went too slow and it got a little little too dark to take the shot but i was going through i knew there was a bunch of oak trees and i cut right through the hedgerow knowing that there was a four-wheeler trail there well, there was a good acorn crop that year, so the squirrels were were thick in there, making all kinds of noise running on the leaves. That was the only time I've tried it numerous times to sneak up on one on the ground, mm-hmm. even you know on on Grandpa's land. 
where they're used to seeing people and stuff. You can ride ride right up next to them and, you know, poke them with a stick on the four-wheeler just about. But if you're walking on foot, they are not sticking around. And they're, they they kind of fake you out too. As, as they're feeding, they'll, they'll lift their head up if they notice something. And then they'll, they'll go to like put their head back down like they're going to feed and then immediately pick it right back up like they're going to see something, you know, gotcha. trick something into moving uh, again. Got you. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's, that, that one stock I made that was successful. The, the only reason I could do it or did it because the, there were so many squirrels running around in the same area that they just thought I was another squirrel. And I went slow enough where they didn't catch any movement. That's the other thing I would, I would probably say about anybody going from a West coast to East coast, just the whitetails in general are, you know, John, we just had this conversation. I think it was you, right? We're just asking me if they're always that twitchy because you got to hunt some deer in, in Texas and you got to see how those deer react. Yeah. I mean, that's a completely different environment. I get that. Yeah. I wouldn't consider that what we were talking about, you know, mm-hmm. earlier, but yeah, it was us. Go yeah. Ahead. Yeah. But so just to consider, you know, if you do get on the ground and you think that you're going to make a stock on a whitetail, it's just the fact that, you know, how many times have you snuck up, made a stock on a mule deer or a blacktail deer and they do spook, but they only run, you know, they'll run 30 more yards or 15 more yards around and turn around and stop and stare at you and maybe even start feeding again. Whitetail deer, you just never get that opportunity. Usually if once that flag goes up, that there's danger there. They, yep. They're gone, 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 you know, unless you're dealing with a ruddy buck or something like yeah, that. That's but that's, yeah. I, that's, I yeah. I was going to say there, there's maybe and, a few exceptions, but not many. Yeah. But not many. So I'd be, I'd be aware of that. And, and also your effective range. Um, you know, I, I think for us hunting out here, whether we're elk hunting or, you know, blacktail obviously is a little bit different because they're so much smaller, but you know, if you're kind of looking at apples to apples, you know, we feel pretty comfortable shooting, say, let's take elk, for example, you know, 70 yards, 80 yards, if we've been practicing a lot that year. Um, and then even with blacktail, I think we feel pretty comfortable shooting 50 yards, maybe even 60 yards if it's ever, everything's correct. Whitetail hunting, um, and again, all the variables to consider, you know, your wind cover and that sort of thing. But if, if, if conditions are somewhat normal, you still have to consider probably if you want to be ethical about your shots, probably bringing that range in a little bit, you know, if you're usually comfortable shooting at a deer at, you know, if it's a mule deer at 60 yards, I just don't think you can quite have that same confidence when you're whitetail hunting, given how twitchy they are. Yeah. They'll drop a lot. I mean, where I hunt the deer are used to, are somewhat used to people enough to where you can get away with some movement and some other noise in the stand. As long as you're not like banging two pieces of metal together and making a wind chime noise or something. But the, when the bow goes off, that noise is so sharp enough or it's, it's sharp enough that gets their attention. And if they're already on alert when you shoot, there's, I mean, they're, they're going to dip down and do some moving before you get there the arrow gets there, even if it's a fairly short shot. So that was another thing I noticed too, where one judging yardage in a tree stand is much different because you're at an angle. So I've started taking a um, range finder that compensates for angle. And then usually I won't use it on the deer when it comes out, I'll range everything ahead of time, 
pick some landmarks and kind of get an idea of, but sometimes a, a few yards makes a huge difference because they, for one, the body size is so much bigger than a blacktail. So just ranging with the eye was tougher because looking at an animal that's half again as big as the white or the blacktail that we're used to looking at here. Um, and then not knowing how much to adjust for angle and then watching the deer dip down on the shot. So a lot of times, you know, you th you're holding right on the crease and the arrow still goes right over its back by the time it gets there because they've dipped down so far. You know, when you guys were shooting your rangefinder, your, your laser and items out in front of you, right? Mm -hmm. What is the max amount that you can confidently remember? Cause I think I'm like three. I can do three things. I can hit that tree. I can hit that log and I get one other tree that looks funky. And those three I can remember. But if I do more than that, like, okay, that one's 55, that one's 50, that one's 45, that one's six. I mean, I'm not going to remember all that. Yeah. I carry notepad. <laughs> <laughs> I, so, <laughs> I draw uh, my surroundings and then I will notate yardages. So you really settle Waterproof in. paper. Really settle <laughs> into an area. I do, I do something a little different. I'm sighted in for 30 yards, top end. I think we all are. Yeah. So I just. But I if just you want to think that's different, that's fine. I just, uh, I just, uh, yeah, it's totally, totally new, groundbreaking <laughs> technology and tactics. Uh, <coughs> not 20, not 25, 30. <laughs> so I you're ranging everything I over just, that. I just, <clears throat> every stand that, uh, I mean, I guess it might be different than other places. You know, it's pretty brushy for the most part out here. So you don't, where I where my stangs are hung, I don't. Well, stand stand sitting is You've one because you can kind of you start to remember how oh, far that's stuff that's is. But mm -hmm. I was just thinking about more spot and stalk when you set up on an you know an elk scenario and like okay oh. go up there, we'll call for twenty minutes and you start ranging things. Well, I think yeah. you three four. Tops. You should know uh, from my shot placement mm -hmm. on my animals. <laughs> Yes. My my ranging ability. <laughs> I would say you can remember one to, to none. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How far is he? Tell me. How far? Range. Somebody range. range. Someone range me. 18 yards. Ah, I can't shoot. I only have a 30 yard bend. <laughs> All right. I will say that could be a, like uh, an activity that can kill some time while you're fighting off boredom sitting in the stand mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just picking some stuff and guessing it and then seeing how close you are you know way out there 120 or whatever but if your phone's in your pocket do you have yeah. other ways of passing time perhaps that will come out eventually <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah this has been brought this has been this has been brought up on the podcast before but Obviously, if, you've, if you're new or maybe it's just something we can rehash. John is very, unless something's changed, very anti-phone while you're sitting. This is correct. Now, you've had service the last this last year, late season. Yep. I feel like you've texted me from the stand. Have you? I think I texted you. Mm -hmm. I actually get service here. Yes. Okay. And okay. that was it. Then... <laughs> then you go, there's nothing. I go dark. To go dark. Yeah, no. Neat. I think there's no place for it. That's not true. Some people can do that, but I don't. It, it, I think it's all about finding the It does come right, out on occasion. It's come, you got the, the right app, the right game you're playing. Something that does not require you to keep your eyes on screen for more than like 10 seconds at a time. Mm -hmm. 
you know, so like Wordle, some of these word games where you can, you know, maybe do a little word search or something like that. Yep. But anything that requires you to really lock in to your screen for more than 30 seconds, I think yeah. that can be problematic. Here's here's the deal. I don't have anything against it. If somebody wants to do that, go your for phone, it. First of all, your phone is so old. It, my phone is very old. Here's <laughs> why I don't do it. And uh, I just don't do it because I think it... It let it decreases your senses, and I think it it decreases your chances of being successful. That's why I don't do it. Listen, I don't disagree with you That's all at I'm all. I definitely I believe do. it decreases your senses, and it definitely decreases your chances of being successful. Mm-hmm. But a, it's a gamble. It is. It's like I could sit here and be really bored. But if it if it'll extend your sit for an extra hour, hour and a half, that is true. Like if it's, I'm it's like better I'm to getting be down this, at nine thirty, no matter like I can't yeah. take it anymore. Yeah, but if, if you're, I occasionally you know pull some slots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for the next 45 minutes, I can sit another hour. Candy crush. Candy crush. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess if you wanted to use that as a tool, you could. But, you know, some would say, then, you know, there's discipline your mind sure. a bit more. Which is funny because I have no discipline in other <laughs> facets of my life. Uh, but anyhow, yeah. It's been well stated and well noted that the way you act and the way you treat hunting and fishing completely flies in the face of the way you lead the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Uh, all right. So. so I wanted to ask you this too, Nate with black tail deer out here in the West. Um, and I think, you know, some mule deer and that sort of thing, you can kind of start having these conversations where people say that deer that have a certain diet taste a certain way. And we have Valley blacktail that live and, I'd say they live more of a whitetail life where they're eating a lot of local vegetation and fruit trees and that sort of thing. And maybe even find some croplands. And then you have mountain deer, which live up in the mountains and it's lichen and, you know, whatever grasses and flowers they can find up there. Same thing with whitetail deer. Um, Have you guys, you guys ever had that conversation about deer that are eating crops all year, corn, soybeans, that sort of thing versus deer that, Maybe they harvest elsewhere. Or is that not really a conversation no. in the whitetail community? Because <clears throat> I never in, heard it growing up. At least in my extended family, it's not. Yeah. Deer's deer. Mm-hmm. And it's more about the cuts of meat as opposed to, you know, flavor profile of the deer overall from one to the next. Do you think that holds water, John? Even like for out here, valley deer versus mountain bucks? Or, I mean, if you think about the deer that we have shot uh, out of the valley, those deer have generally been older bucks so is it you know is it the older bucks taste gamier or is i it think the- it depends on the time of year i think that's a big component of it uh but i would say you know there's a large variance in mule deer to blacktail and i think that is largely due to their diet um but um it's tough some people find it pretty offensive uh <laughs> They, they call it gamey, you know, whatever, but like a rutted up blacktail, if you're not careful when you're, you know, taking care of the meat, you know, they, they are stinky critters. They do smell like you don't want to drag a deer out by the tarsals and then immediately start cutting into it without putting some gloves on or okay. washing your hands. Noted. Right. Writing right. that down. That, that scent will, uh, you know, or you don't want to drop them into a, a scented garbage bag. <laughs> uh, that's another thing to look out for that could taint the meat. <clears throat> Nate. Uh, uh, okay, that's my shot for the night. Um, that was a hard lesson to learn. You could have at least picked like wild <laughs> apple or something. 
<clears throat> lilac was, yeah. was a tough one to swallow. Uh, yep. I'm looking at a large specimen on your wall that would be considered a mountain blacktail. And I remember when we rattled in that buck and you shot it and we started cutting into it, that deer had no fat on it. What he was super, the leanest, one of the leanest bucks I've ever had the opportunity to call in and let somebody shoot. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean that deer, that deer, and that deer tasted good, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, what? I I am just ble- blessed to be <laughs> in the presence of such a what? <laughs> that shot was for everyone you've ever shot something out from underneath. That was for your brother, your dad, probably a bunch of friends that you've you've quote unquote taken out hunting and then taken. Uh, we'll have to do it in detail. You, you snatched of that hunt. You snatched victory out from underneath him. <laughs> I will uh, say, from the duck blind, he did pretty good. He, he didn't. He didn't snipe any birds for me. No. Well, good. Dude, weekend. that was so Dude. much fun. Oh yeah. God, that was, fact, that was so much. Fun. We passed on some birds because you were waiting for me to shoot, and, and vice versa. <laughs> we're like, well, I guess they're gone now. <laughs> oh, man, that was a blast. That was fun. I look every day. Uh, hasn't been anything out yeah. there the last two days. Believe it or not, with the mm-hmm. with the weather, but. Yeah, um, but okay, anyhow, yeah. to answer your question, I don't know um, a difference between valley deer and mountain deer. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a little bit. Uh, early season, I would definitely say that's the case. You know, if you shoot a deer or you know a doe or a buck that's been eating fruit, uh, yeah, deer's gonna taste a little different. That fat's gonna have a mm-hmm. different taste. So I agree. I, I like it, them both. I think it has more to do with their diet, yeah, than, like than anything else. Mm-hmm. Really do. But that deer. Um, I gave you some of that deer that we, uh, Charlie and I, and that thing, again, same thing, hardly any fat at all. On Super that lean. <laughs> it's okay. All right. So we're going to close it up here, but it is, uh, December 27th, New Year's yep. resolutions. I gave you some homework, some homework. <laughs> I want three outdoor related resolutions from you guys. We'll start with John. uh let's see outdoor related so i'm really good at making resolutions Mm -hmm. (laughs) not so great at always reaching them outdoor related hunting related now we'll go outdoor related okay new year's resolution uh i want to could it be as vague as i would actually like to steelhead fish this year i didn't winter steelhead fish once last year First time in how long? Uh, dude, since I was old enough to go steelhead fishing. Since yeah. the first time I went steelhead fishing. So that was pretty poopy. Yeah. Uh, no, I think that counts. You can. So you I'm going to go weird winter steelhead fishing. Uh, that's one. Number two, I want to... I think I'm going to buy... I'm, I'm going to do some more research, but I'm... I'm Really close to buying some scent lock. I'm trying to keep this. <laughs> I'm trying to keep this legit, not funny. Obviously, there's lots of humorous yeah. resolutions we could. All no, come that's up good. With. I mean, you should stay up with the scent lock thing because people are going to hold you account- uh, accountable. Uh, accountable. I will be accountable. <laughs> is this for the they print shop or the woods? This, this is for the woods. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this is for the. No, we need a whole yeah. new like filtration situation right? For, right? for the right? shop. Oh, and my last one is to shoot a big game animal with my recurve. Okay. All mm-hmm. right, Nader. All good, thanks. Thanks. Good goals. 
pretty uh, sure I could do two of them. Yeah. If I winter steelhead sounds like a good one for me as well. Okay. I think fit just fish more in general. Did you we? Did we? Did yeah? He did we? Fish a lot. Yeah. That seems like a weird one. A, a fair bit, but not <laughs> as much as I normally do <laughs> since since the boy came along. But hello, boy. Yeah, I've got a, uh, a sweet skinny water rig for the upcoming year. Kayak. 14-foot canoe without riggers. Oh. And uh electric motor. And you got a new you got portable a new fish finder. Too? Didn't you get a new... Uh... I do have a... Oh, that, that could be one. Oh, sorry. These are Nate's resolutions, yeah. not ours. But we should make some more for him. <laughs> <laughs> Getting into the water. You have so now. much potential. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would like to at least become serviceable on the, on the <laughs> duck, so we... duck and or goose calls. That that pause was too long. I, I left that hanging way too long. I see a shirt in your future, and it's just going to say serviceable. <laughs> Take it any way you like. Oh, mm. write that down. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, uh, better caller. I would. I think John and I would uh, not. And I, we're not going to fight you on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also need to shoot my bow more this yeah. year. Okay, I did okay. not did not make enough time to practice last year. Jake. That's three, right? Uh, I as well would like to get a trad set up for this year. Okay. Don't hit the table, please. Start. Didn't start shooting. Thank you. This is so weird. Next. Um, Next resolution, please. I'm going to get out crabbing. I'm going to do some crabbing on the coast. I've been, uh, there's been a lot of requests for that in this household. So we're going to make that happen. And then, yeah, I, I just, I think every year I got a pot sh- or two, you could borrow more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I what was, was gonna, the last one. Shoot my bow more. Mm. Just shoot, shoot in general. Very original. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. It's weak, weak sauce. All right. Anything you guys got anything else? Good seeing you, Nader. Likewise. As always. Should do this again real soon. Yep. Yep. Oh, wait, finally, before we wrap it up, we got a couple more minutes. Uh, so your brother went with you to New York this year, right? And went back East. Yep. His first archery hunt. Correct. Yes. Or... Well, he, he hunted with a crossbow. So, <sighs> okay. Well, it, uh, it was, wait, do we want to let that archery pass? Equipment, but pew, pew. he, okay. he is, he is committed to the vertical bow this year. Though. Okay. Nice. We but just didn't this? have, by the time he decided he was going to go, didn't have enough time to get him proficient with a vertical bow. Okay. So, and he shot one though, right? He, he did. Yeah. That's cool. Pinwheeled one at about 65 yards. Awesome. Yeah. Dude, Dude I was can, pretty stoked. I don't yeah. remember hearing that. That's because awesome. Nate and I talked about it without you. Yep. Oh, man. We waited for you to leave. The I wish I would have been there and then talked so about it. It was a really good conversation. <laughs> On the hunt. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Was what that, bo- what, what uh, crossbow? Uh, Raven R29, I think, was the model. Those things are sweet. Hmm. Very nice. Smoked it. Yep. Was he tack driver? Did he? That's the model tack driver? They are tack smoke drivers. It. Smoked it. Smoked it. Smoked it. Dash, dash, dash. Smoked it. Tack driver. Tack driver. We wrote both of those on the the side. (laughs) (laughs) Did, uh. You know, they have one now that's self-cocking. You just push a button and it electron, you know. Really? Electronic. That's going on the back of your serviceable shirt. (laughs) (laughs) Self-cocking. Serviceable and (laughs) self-cocking. Just so you know. (laughs) What size are you? Perfect. (laughs) Court gets one too. (laughs) Indeed. Did he, did he go through all the traditional, um. Uh, steps afterwards. Did he find the deer? Did he gut it? Did he did he watch process? Yeah, he did not. He was he was hunting. So predominantly for him, going back to clothing, he doesn't have the gear 
at his disposal. So he he literally decided a couple of weeks before we went that he was going to go ahead and hunt while he was there. That's cool. So he brought some cotton camo and you know a little bit of stuff he's used the few years he's he's gun hunted here. So he wasn't prepared to sit out in the elements in the tree stand. So my family, grandpa's land there, they've got a few plywood shooting boxes. They're a little more uh, protected from the elements and stuff. And he didn't have to worry about getting wet so he could stay warm. Nice. So he predominantly sat in those, which are on the edge of ag fields. So he was pretty stoked about it in general because on the edge of those ag fields, there's always does around. So, I mean, in the first three hours of light in the last, well, first two hours for sure in the last two, you're going to have deer out in front of you to watch. So he was pretty stoked about that. I just to be able to sit and watch deer. Cool. And then, uh, yeah. Camo cotton tea strikes again. Indeed. Good I don't even think he was wearing camo the night he shot that oh, one. Okay. But you guys remember the thing we did, camo cotton. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I definitely do. Okay. Yep. I definitely do. We'll link it. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. He did, uh, he waited a, about a half hour came back down to the house because it was right at shoot, last shooting light so he waited came back to me he he tried looking for his arrow but it was kind of out in the field and didn't have lighted knocks or anything so first things first we had to go and look look for the arrow and we taught him how to like check it see what color the blood is sniff it all that see if it smells like guts or or what and uh so he was sitting all by himself when he shot mm-hmm. nice he was we sat the first couple of days together. There's yeah. there's really only one shooting box that's big enough for two Baileys. Yeah, two <laughs> two larger than average size humans. <laughs> well, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That that shooting box they call it lovingly the condo because it's it's fully enclosed and it has like a vinyl sliding window oh, that yeah. you can close and open as needed. Did he take a heater with him? No. Oh, but okay. It's pretty well. It, the the cold that comes from the wind when it's wet outside. So if you're out of the wind and out yeah. of the moisture, good to go. Yeah, don't need a whole lot of nice heat. But those shooting boxes are made for long guns. Not to, although I did kill a <laughs> buck several years ago out of that box with my vertical bow. Yeah, somehow. I'm pretty sure both both limbs contacted <laughs> two by fours on the shot. But <laughs> it all worked out. Was that the Cottonwood uh, Constitution? Uh, no. Okay, that was the invasion. Nice. Right on. Just, right. just short enough axle to axle to make it happen. <laughs> well, we'll do this again. Nader, thanks for sitting down. Had a good time. No problem. All right. It's happy to be here. All right, everybody. Thanks. See ya.